Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. You ready? Let's do it. You got a Bible, turn to Isaiah verse 6 and 8. Isaiah 6 and 8. It's not very long, but it is very powerful. You ready? It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Today I've come to kind of provoke you a little bit to pray a dangerous prayer that I believe that God is wanting us, his people, to begin to pray on the earth once again. And this dangerous prayer is, God, use me. Maybe you're not in that place right now. You're not sure that you wanna pray that prayer, but I'm gonna try to provoke you into praying that prayer because I believe that, that all eternity is longing for his children. God is wanting his children to stand up and say, God, use me. Because I believe that God wants to do a move in the earth today. I'm here to tell you right now, I don't care what anybody else says, COVID-19 did not stop the Great Commission. It is still our goal and our calling as a church to reach the lost and, and to be used by God to make a difference in the earth. So we're going to pray a prayer, a dangerous prayer. God, Lord, here am I. Use me. Can I just pray with you real quick? Lord, right now we thank you, Lord, for every ear in this place that it's open. It's softened for the seat of the word of God. Lord, use me to speak to the hearts and the lives of your people. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from an incredibly good-looking man. They've just come to hear a word from you. So, Lord, I pray that you would do both today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You know, over 50 years ago, the human race accomplished something incredible. Uh, Over 50 years ago, we sent, as the human race, man to the moon. Now, before I go any farther, I do know that there are some people out there who do not believe that this happened. For all of you that uh, are in that boat, or if you're online and you're in that boat, just, just hold on just a second and let the normal people talk for just a moment, okay? But man walked on the moon. It was an incredible feat, and everybody watched in awe as this happened. And, and it was so amazing, because, but what makes it more amazing is that it was a short 66 years before that that man did something that that everybody said could not be done to begin with, and that was man flew. And two young men named the Wright brothers decided, you know what, we're gonna defy odds, we're gonna do something that people say that can't be done. We're We're gonna actually put some thoughts together and we're gonna try to lift off the ground. We're gonna try to fly. And, and in that day, 66 years ago, two brothers that were bicycle manufacturers did what everybody said couldn't be done, and they flew 120 feet. It was absolutely an incredible thing. Everybody was in awe. Everybody was shocked. But isn't it amazing that because two people were willing to step out and do something that everybody said could not be done, 
that 66 years or uh, 66 years in the future that people would once again do what everybody said could not be done because the Wright brothers were willing to step out and fly 120 feet over 66 years later we were able to fly 250,000 miles and land on the moon now, what makes this incredible is that when Neil Armstrong stepped foot on the moon, what most people don't know is that he had a small piece of the Wright brother's wing in his pocket. And the reason why he, was, he had this piece in his pocket is because Neil Armstrong was humbly saying this. It was a, he was tipping his hat to the Wright brothers saying, if you would not have been willing to do what you did then, we would not be able to do what we're doing right now. See, what he's saying is, is that they made history then so that we can make history now. Now, what if the Wright brothers would have had the, the thought process that most people have, and that's this. Well, it's not really my job. I mean, we're just, we're bicycle manufacturers, really. I mean, we make bikes. Let's make a better bike. Right? Well, nobody expects us to fly. They expect us to ride. They expect us just to produce a better bike. But the Wright brothers had a different way of thinking. And they thought, if history is going to be made, why, why shouldn't we be the ones to make it? Why shouldn't we be the ones to do it? And I'm here to tell you that God is still looking for people that have that same kind of mentality, that same kind of thought process that says, you know what? If God, if you want to break history, if you want to make history, if you want to do something great in the earth, I'm not looking at somebody else. I'm not wanting you to use somebody else. God, here I am. Use me. If history is going to be made, God, I want you to be the one to use me to make it. Use me to do something great in the earth. Use me to do something that you've never done before. I pray a dangerous prayer all the time. God, whatever you're wanting to do on the earth, God, I pray that you would start it in me. God, whatever you're wanting to do on the earth, God, I pray that you would start it at Celebration Church in San Angelo, Texas. God, whatever you're wanting to do on the earth, God, I pray that you would use me. It's a dangerous prayer. I'm telling you, it's a dangerous prayer. Because it's not easy to be used by God. It's not easy to say yes to the things of God all the time. It's not always glory and glamour. Sometimes it's grit. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's complicated. Sometimes, man, you're like, man, that was, that was silly. I should not have prayed that prayer. That was a crazy prayer, not a dangerous prayer. It's a lot easier to live your life for your four and no more. It's a lot easier for you to go to work on Monday morning, punch a clock, look forward to lunch, and margaritas on Friday night at Chili's. That's a lot easier. Where all you're looking forward to is a Friday night so that you can sit in your recliner, drink some beer, watch football, and hang out. That's a lot easier, but it's boring. A dangerous prayer is, God, I'm, I'm available to be used by you, and there is nothing that is off limits. But most people prefer to pray the prayer of Jonah. In case you don't know, Jonah's prayer is, here I am, I'm not going. 
That, that's, what, that's what a lot of people pray. God, I'll do anything for you, but I won't do that. God, whatever you need me to do in a moment of worship, God, here I am, I'm surrendered to you. But really the truth is, is God, part of me surrendered to you. You can have this part of me and that part of me, but don't mess with this part of me. Don't, don't mess with this. And what we're doing is, is we're praying the prayer of Jonah. Jonah 1, verse 2 and 3, it said, God said to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Listen, it says, but Jonah ran away. The actual, the Bible says that he went in the opposite direction of where God is calling him to go. And I want to ask some of you today, is that you today? God has put something on your heart, but you're actually running in the opposite direction. You don't have to flee to a different city to run from God. Some people prefer to pray the prayer of Moses. Moses prayed this prayer, here I am, send someone else. Exodus 3, verse 10 and 11 says, God said to Moses, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go? Here I am, God. I came to look at a burning bush because it looked cool. But now then I'm looking at it and you're speaking to me and you're telling me to go. You need to send somebody else because I am not qualified. I don't speak well. I can't do this for you. I don't know if you know who I am. And, we're, and he's praying this prayer, God, here I am, send someone else. I can't tell you how many times I've had this happen. Probably never happened in this church. Pastor Brandon, you probably never, ever experienced this. But, but at, at our church, we're not quite as holy as y'all. We haven't quite reached the level of glory that y'all have reached. But, but at our church, I've had people come up to me and they'll say, uh, Pastor Brian, I just wanna let you know something. I love One Church. That's the name of my church. I, I love One Church. We love this place. It is amazing. It is incredible. Everything about it is so awesome. But there is one thing. You know what this church needs? That would take it to a whole nother level. I'm like, what? They're like, this church needs a homeless ministry. This church needs a single mom's ministry. What made that one awkward was it was a single guy telling me that. <laughs> He's like, can we just get them all in one place? <laughs> fish in a barrel, fish in a barrel. Brian, Brian, you know, you know what the, this church this church needs a regular men's breakfast. And I always look at them and say the exact same thing. You're right. You're absolutely right. You should start a small group. And every time they go, no, 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 no. What no, no, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what are you talking about? No, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I, don't, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't have time to do that. What I'm telling you is I'm pointing out the need to you so that as the pastor of the church, you can feel this need. 
And what I try to explain to them is that whenever you expect others to feel the need that God has revealed to you, you are expecting others to carry the burden that God has given you. So you're asking somebody else to carry something that God has given you. So you may walk into the church and you may look around and you go, man, why are these chairs not straight? Why is this trash not picked up? Why Somebody should do something about that. Can I tell you that God has already assigned somebody to do something about that? And the person that sees it is the one who should start feeling the need that needs to be done. See, God is wanting us not to pray, God, here I am, send somebody else. He wants us to pray Isaiah's prayer, which is here, God, here I am, send me. God, here I am, send me. As Christians, we should stop waiting on God to send someone else. And we should start asking God to send us. But I'm telling you, it's only brave people that can pray this prayer. God, here I am, use me. This morning, as I'm getting ready to preach today, I pray this prayer on a regular basis. God, there is nothing of me that is off limits to you. God, I give you my mind, let me think your thoughts. God, I give you my mouth, let me speak your words. God, I give you my ears, let me hear your voice. God, I give you my eyes, let me see the need around me. God, I give you my hands, let me build your kingdom. And God, I give you my feet, lead me wherever you want me to go. See, here's the thing, is that that is a dangerous prayer. When you say, God, there is nothing that is off limits to you, you're, you're praying some dangerous prayers. You're praying the prayers that the heroes of the Bible prayed. See, we like to look at the Bible, we like to read the Bible and say, man, they just had it easy. They had it good, they had everything together and that's why God used them. But the truth is, is that they were just available. One of the great men that prayed this prayer was a man named Nehemiah. Nehemiah was an awesome man. He's not really known, he's not spoken about a lot, but, but Nehemiah had a good life. He was a Jewish man that was from, was from Jerusalem but had ended up in Persia. Now Nehemiah ended up in Persia and he was living the good life. He was the king's right hand man. He had the life that probably everybody had dreamed of. He lived in a palace. Life was good. There was no, anything that he wanted, he probably got. One day, one of his friends came from Jerusalem and begins to tell him that the walls of the city had been torn down, that devastation had taken place, that, that there were some really bad things that had happened. And Nehemiah could have done what a lot of us would have done in that moment. We would have felt really bad about it. We would have talked, man, that's a bummer. We might have even posted it on Facebook. Hashtag praying. But, but, but Nehemiah did something different. It says that Nehemiah was so grieved by the news that he heard that he prayed this dangerous prayer. And he said, God, if you give me the opportunity to go, if you give me the opportunity to fix the, right that, uh, the wrong that has been done, I will try my hardest to make it right. I will do whatever I can to make what has been done, what, the, the wrong that has been done made right. 
Nehemiah prayed this prayer. He said, God, here I am, use me. When, you're, when you pray this prayer, when you ask God to use you, you're saying three things. The first thing, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, God, I'm available. Nehemiah 2, verse 5, it said, And I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send somebody else. Let him send my friend. No, the Bible says, Here I, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Not somebody else rebuild it, so that I can rebuild it. When you pray this prayer, you're saying, God, I am available. You know, uh, several months ago, I went over to my mom's house uh, for dinner. It's always great to go to mom's house for dinner. And I'm sitting around and we're hanging out and we're having a good time. Now, most of you don't know my mom, uh, but, but she is a very clean woman. She is very organized. She likes things in a certain place, in a certain way. And so I go over and I'm kind of the opposite. I'm just there to have a good time. Come on, I'm not here for a long time, here for a good time. So I'm hanging out, my mom says this, hey, dinner's ready. And I said, okay. I walk in, because I'm not shy, and I get my plate. The first person in line to get the plate. I get my plate, I walk in, I sit down at the table, and I'm eating my food, and at that point, my mom walks through, and she sees me at the table eating my food, and she asks me this question. She goes, why are you using that plate? And I said, what do you mean? She said, why are you using that plate? And, 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 and if you don't know my mom, she has a plate for every occasion. She has Easter plates. She has Christmas plates. Come, she, she, has, she has plates for people that she loves. She has plates for people that she doesn't like. She's got a plate for, I'm not kidding, she has an entire closet full of plates that are just sets of plates. And I don't understand it because at my house, we have two kinds of plates. Clean plates and dirty plates. And come on, if we're feeling lazy, we got lazy plates. Those are called uh, the, the styrofoam plates or the paper plates. Come on, those are lazy plates. So I guess we got three kinds. So what I explained to my mother is, is mom, I did not mean to offend you. I simply went to the cabinet and pulled out the first available plate that I could find. And that was the plate that I used. See, I think this, I think that a lot of people think that God is looking the earth to and fro, looking from this point to that point, and he's saying, I'm looking for a certain pattern. I'm looking for people with a certain lineage. I'm looking for people with a certain background who ever have everything together, who never cuss or never mess up or never make a mistake. But the truth is, is that I'm telling you right now that God is searching the earth for people that will pray this prayer. God, I am available. Whatever you need me to do in the earth, I might not be perfect. I might not have it all together. I might still make mistakes. I might still mess up, but here I am, use me. I'm available. The greatest ability you have is availability. Well, I can't sing like them. 
Well, guess what? We don't want you on the stage. But that doesn't mean that you're not qualified to do something else. The greatest ability you have is availability. And I I always try to explain this to my church, is that if you're sitting in the audience and you're saying, well, I can't sing like them, so I won't do anything, you've letting pride take over your heart. Because you're saying, if nobody notices, then why would I do anything? I'm gonna get off that. I'm gonna get off that. Number two, the second thing you're saying when you pray this prayer, you're saying, God, nothing is off limits. God, there's nothing that's off limits. Nehemiah 7, verse 72 says, the total given by the rest of the people was 20,000 derricks of gold 2,000 minas of silver and 67 garments for priests. See, most of us have no idea what a derrick is. We, we have no idea what a minas is. We have no idea. That completely goes beyond us. We can't think about it. We have no idea what it is. But if you, what you need to know is that the people, what happened is, is Nehemiah went to the people and said, we need to rebuild the wall. And the people didn't just see the need, they gave to fill the need. And the equivalent that they gave is $275 million in today's currency. So you blow it off like, oh, it's no big deal. But these people didn't just see the need, they gave to meet the need. One of the biggest topics that pastors get so much pushback on is the the topic of giving. Well, there's the pastor again, just talking about money. It's like a, a knee-jerk reaction as soon as he says, uh, Pastor Brandon goes, oh, there's, it's time to give if you give. It's like, go, don't you touch my wallet. And again, we go back to God, you can have anything of me except for my wallet. See, the, God doesn't need your money, but the Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God is not after your money, he's after your heart. He wants you. And the truth is, is that I can look at whatever you spend money on and I can tell you where your heart is. And if I give to the kingdom of God, I am giving to, to, to the Lord. Here's the thing is that, that you have to remember when, whenever you feel like this, oh man, here's another pastor preaching about money. I want you to know this. You gotta remember that, that pastors did not write the Bible. We're just called by God to preach it. It was God that wrote 1 John 3, 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can he love the love of God be in that person? God knew this, that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. God wrote, in, uh, wrote 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. Doesn't say not at all. It says not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. It was God that wrote Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. See, God knew that there would be people on the earth that had needs and he called the church to meet those needs. 
That's why we give, because he, he wants us to be a storehouse so that when people come in, it doesn't matter what their background is or where they came from, we're able to help them and meet their needs. See, we are asking as a church for the government to meet the needs that God has called us to meet. And I'm telling you that if the church would rise up and begin to understand, bring all the tithes, that's 10% into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, we could meet every need in the world around us. You know that the, the average tither is three, is three to five percent of the church tithes. And if we're doing this with three to five percent, what could we do with 50 percent? What could we do with 100 percent? And I'm just going to step on this just for a minute because I, I may not ever come back. It's fine. But I'm going to do as much damage as I possibly can. People go, well, that's Old Testament. Um, I, and I always say this. Oh, tithing's Old Testament. Okay, even though Jesus said you should tithe. It's in the Bible. Jesus said that. But okay, let, let's go to New Testament. In the book of Acts, says they sold everything and brought it to the apostles' feet. You want 10% or everything? I'm going to stick with 10%. That's all I'm saying. Like, I like some of my stuff, right? That's what the Bible says, right? The Bible says they sold everything and brought it, and there was no need among them. I'm telling you that generosity, it's not about necessarily about a certain percentage. It's about a heart. That, God, there is nothing that is not available to you. God, if I see a need, and I am able to meet that need because I am blessed to be a blessing, I can help the people around me. I can show your love through my generosity. Takes money to feed orphans. Takes money to rescue women from sex trafficking. It takes money to preach the gospel all over the world. It takes money to meet the needs of your neighbor. And as a church, God has given us the privilege to have resources to share and meet the needs of the people around us. One of the core values of this church is that generosity is our privilege. We have the honor and the privilege to be the church in San Angelo, Texas, to meet the needs of the people around us. The third thing, and I'm done, keyboard wants to come and play, that really tells you that I'm done. I hope I haven't gone over Pastor Brandon. I'm, uh. Number three, when you pray this prayer, saying, God, I will do whatever needs to be done. God, I'll do whatever needs to be done. Nehemiah 4 verse 6 says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. See, it's one thing to see the need, but it's another thing to work to meet the need. And I'll just tell you this, that I, I, I have a really strong feeling that there's some of you that have been dating this church for a long time. 
You've been coming to this church, come on, drinking the free coffee. Eating those delicious calorie-free donuts. You've been coming a long time. You've been hanging out a long time. And we're glad that you're here. But the truth is, is that we will never be the church that we're called to be until you get into the place that God has called you to be. See, you see these people every week that they call Dream Team, amazing Dream Team. They serve all over the place. They're doing all kinds of things. They're, 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 they're fixing this, they're doing that, they're making coffee, they're, they're, they're putting out donuts, they're playing keyboards, they're, they're running cameras, they're running sound, they're, they're back and in, 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 in raising up world changers in the kids area. They're doing all of this stuff. And you look at them and you think, well, they just got more time than us. But the truth is, is that they don't have more time than you, they've just understood that they get to partner to make a difference in the community around. Can I tell you this, that the moment that you give your life to Jesus, church stops being about you and starts being about others. It's, it's when you come into church and you say, God, I'm here not just to be fed, but to help others, to, to help others know Jesus, to point other people to Jesus. It's why I exist what I'm called to and a common misconception people have is that it's only the people on the stage that make a difference but I'm telling you don't ever believe that lie this morning I woke up and I received a text message from uh, one of my campus pastors he said Pastor Brian I just wanted to just share this with you uh, I was at group last night and there's a, a very successful businessman that's been coming to my group. He's only been in the church for about four and a half months. And, and he's been coming to, to our community group very faithfully, been plugged in. And, and last night he opened up and he shared his story. He said, Pastor Brian, you, you'll never get, guess what happened. This man, you would, you, if you looked at him, you would never think it, but he was addicted to heroin and meth but he was a very successful businessman. And the reason why he justified this, because it gave him the energy he needed to work longer hours. So he thought, it's not hurting anybody. In fact, it's helping my family. And so he continued in this addiction for a long time. And then one day, four and a half months ago, he walked into our Sulphur Springs campus. He had an encounter with Jesus. He surrendered his life to Jesus. And in that moment, he said the addiction was broken in his life. That he has not touched heroin or methamphetamines in four and a half months and has no desire. Now everybody goes, ooh, that's so good, that's so awesome. And the truth is, is that on that day, four and a half months ago, I can guarantee you I got up and I preached the gospel. But so did the person working in the parking lot, so did the greeter at the door, so did the sound engineer, so did the keyboard player and the worship leader. We all worked together to preach the gospel to that man that day. And I'm telling you, why 
wouldn't you want to be a part of a team that makes a difference in the lives of people, that breaks yokes, that breaks addictions, that sets people free, that heals marriages? We get to do this and be a part of what God is doing in the earth. All I'm doing is straightening chairs. Straightening chairs that somebody's going to sit in that needs Jesus. And we get to be a part of that. And so you've been dating this church for a long time, and I'm telling you, I honestly believe this church is not even to half its height. The, the, the Bible says that Nehemiah, they built the wall till it was half its height. And I'm telling you, I believe this with all of my heart. This church is not even halfway where God is taking it. Come on, you're only 12 years in, but you've got a long way to go. Come on, there's campuses to plant. There's people to reach. That there's no end and no limit. But what you have to understand is that God has brought you here not to sit in a chair, but to partner with the vision of this pastor right here. Say, God, I'm available. God, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I'm here to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Not to sit in a chair and criticize. But look at people, love people, and point people to Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you this question just simply all across this room. I want you to ask God. God, what are you speaking to me? What's amazing is, is that God is able to speak to each and every one of us in a different way. God, what are you speaking to me? Maybe God is saying to some of you, it's time to start giving. Maybe God is saying to some of you, it's time you to start making yourself available. Maybe God is saying to some of you, come on, you need to join the dream team. You need to be at this dinner tonight at 6 p.m. And you need to get on because you get to partner with us to reach a city for, at Easter time. What is God saying to you? I don't know what God is saying to you, but I'm, I'm gonna challenge every one of you this week, instead of just waking up on Monday morning and saying, oh, here's another Monday, I want you to get up and look in the mirror and I want you to pray a dangerous prayer. God, here I am. Use me. Use me to make a difference in the people around me. God, I give you my eyes. Let me see the need. Lord, right now for every person in this place, I pray for them. God, I thank you that every person in this place has a purpose and a calling on their life. God, they're not here today by accident, they're not here by chance, but God, you want them to see that they are here to meet needs around them. Lord, right now I pray that they would, Lord, that you would open their eyes, that they would begin to see the needs around them. God, that we would be, uh, we would be a church that, that is so dedicated to God, whatever it is that you need me to do, I'm here to do it on this earth. Jesus name with every head bowed every eye closed no one's looking around and maybe in this place you don't know Jesus 
You never ask him into your heart. You never ask him to be the Lord of your life, but today you'd like to. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with the God who loves you, who has given you a hope and a future. He's given you a calling and a plan for your life. If you say, Brian, that's me. I need Jesus in my life for the first time. Or maybe you're here and you say, Brian, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you walk down the front, but I am going to ask you. I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to be bold enough. When I hit three, you slip your hand up right where you are, and we're going to pray a prayer together as a church family. And I believe this. If you pray this prayer, if you believe in your heart, your life will never be the same. I did not say it would be perfect. I said it will never be the same. You say, Brian, that's me. Come on. I need Jesus in my life for the first time. One. Come on. Hands already going up. Brian, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. Come on, two. Come on, Brian, pray that prayer with me. Come on, hands all over the place. Come on. Right now, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. Can we pray this prayer together as a church family? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Take my sin. And by your grace, I take your righteousness. I make you the Lord of my life. I give you all that I am. I hold nothing back. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give it up for every person. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.